All right, so we finally got to do a recording with Shane Butler. He had, he was actually like bothering me. I wouldn't say bothering me, but he he was like, "Hey, I want to go on your podcast." Like before he got out of the Marine Corps, and I was like, "Oh, well, it's a three gun podcast. I don't think you know you you, you fit the mold really, considering your high power." But uh, if you notice, we've kind of brought them on because they they can bring different insight. You can all learn a lot from people in different disciplines. Um, because they can interpret things differently and you can apply them to your skill sets. But now, now to kind of talk on Shane, um, you know, he came to the team in 2019, extremely passionate, like high energy. You don't know how to take him sometimes, but whenever he sets a goal, he really knows how to uh, break down every component of what he's trying to achieve and goes after it and achieves it. Yeah. What stuck out to me is um, it's arguably easier to get into competitive shooting, depending on your duty station. I would say that Lejeune, NCR, pretty easy. California is a little more difficult, but there are really good clubs out there. Um, The fact that he was able to consistently medal while stationed in Hawaii is a testament to his focus, uh, his drive and his work ethic. And it's paid off. He's now a member of the AMU. He's a part of like the DOD's premier marksmanship team um, where they just focus on excellence and competition and performance. Um, I, I think he's the right person for it. I'm glad the Marine Corps is representation on that team. And uh, I'm sure we're going to continue to hear his name for the foreseeable future. I can't wait. Like uh, he's just a really fun person to be around, to be quite honest with you. And, just uh just a, a solid dude yeah and, and disclaimer this i never met the guy in person like we 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 probably saw each other in passing at 2021 championships but when um his personality and who he was as a person came across extremely vividly uh during this interview um and when that happens like you know that's that's something special really yeah, so we really hope you enjoy this and uh, let us know what you think. And uh, can't wait to do this again. Yep. Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. This is Matt Gunlock from the 3G IQ podcast. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Frank Gao, and a very special friend of mine, Shane Butler. Shane Butler joined the Marine Corps in September of 2012 as a motor transport operator, and his first unit was 3rd LAR out of 29 Palms, California. In January of 2019, he joined the Marine Corps shooting team. And then fast forward to 2022 in January, he joined the Army Marksmanship Unit. He's a distinguished in rifle, and he ha- currently has 12 pistol points. 
Shane, if you could, please go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, some accolades, you know, your path to the team, stuff like that. Yeah, so um, uh, I was born in Kentucky. And just to kind of give you like a background of like my shooting, I grew up like just shooting with my dad in the backyard. That's just uh, the only competitiveness to it was how many times can we hit that beer can? Yeah, you know, that was kind of like our competitiveness to it. Um, I never really understood like competitive shooting up until I want to say 2012. That's when I was with third LAR. Um, I competed in what was called combat matches. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Um, I competed then I didn't place at all. I actually got like DQ'd on a stage or something. It was like pretty bad, Uh, but it, it, I got bit by the bug. So from there, I just had to, because of my competitive drive, I had to come back and do it again. And throughout that time, every time I was on the range or anything like that, I, I was just dry firing if I could, just learning from my mistakes of the of that combat match, um, trying to remember everything that the instructors were talking about and, and putting that to good use and taking notes and stuff. And then I actually came back and 2000, I want to say 16, uh, that was uh Mick Pacific. That's when I was out in Hawaii uh, and I got a bronze for rifle there. Uh, and then that bug just bit me a little harder and I had to come back and try to get some more. And the next year after that is uh, when, when I got a silver rifle and a bronze pistol. So I was just, you know, my practice was, was was worth it i guess and also when i was out in um hawaii some of the accolades that kind of pushed me more towards being competitive uh was the support i was getting from the from my platoon at that time uh so i was a platoon sergeant out there and just having like a group of young marines that I was, you know, I got them from out of boot camp and I was like help raising these kids. And they, the support I was getting from them, they were like my little cheerleaders. I thought it was pretty cool. So that, that helped me out a whole lot. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I've been in the Marine Corps 10 years. Uh, then I switched over to the army and to be honest with you, it's, it's almost like the Marine Corps and the army do the same thing. It's just a different language. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, that's kind of what I'm learning right now is how to speak that language. It's the same stuff. It's like, I don't know, um, the same, I guess, attitudes of leadership, like whether, well, through the entire chain of command, it's just like, it's, it's all the same thing, just different language. I guess that's the best way I could explain it. You also met Dan Roach while you were out in Hawaii, right? Oh yeah. So uh, me and, uh, Rhodes have been together since 2016. We were both stationed in uh, 3rd Battalion, 3rd Marines uh, out there in Hawaii. So we competed against each other, and I thought it was pretty cool because we we would always, like, go to the side of the range, and we would just stand there and watch everybody shoot and talk about how we would do it better. And I, that's really what helped us place a little higher. Yeah, that's, so, that's awesome. Yeah, and then when 2019 when I joined the team – uh, immediately I put his name out there to be recruited. 
Um, and then as soon as I did that, I called him up and I was like, dude, you, you really got to come out here. And he, we started going through the process and I was helping him out to, to get to the team. And I'm so glad that he did because he was one of the best people in my entire career that I've, uh, I got to work with. Oh, absolutely. Like Dan, Dan is not just a solid shooter. He's just a solid dude. Like just yeah, yeah. good people. Yeah, he actually is. And I'm telling you, he was my number one guy that I would go to for, you know, uh, anything that I, that was going on in my life that I needed an answer for. He was like the guy I could go to, uh, regardless of whether it was religious, personal, professional, doesn't really, doesn't really matter. He had an answer for it. And if he didn't have the answer for it, he'd find it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So moving on, uh, can you give us a quick recap of what your summer season or your shooting season has been like so far? Uh, especially like as the, the army marksmanship unit moves into nationals. Yeah. So it, it's definitely, a mindset shift from what I'm used to. Uh, I came to, I had to come to AMU with an open mindset um, because I knew that things were going to be different. So coming in with that open mindset, I had to think like AMU thinks. And that goes into how I was going to set up my summer season uh, for myself and my personal goals. Um, we talk about it a lot uh, on AMU. It's, did you achieve your goal today? Did you set a PR today? Uh, it, and with this season, it is all performance versus outcome-based, you know? Uh, and that's one of the things that I enjoy the most now that I'm actually seeing it, like, in action. So, like, I heard about it on the Marine Corps shooting team, but it wasn't really – pushed that hard about focusing more on your performance versus the outcome. Uh, and I didn't understand that until I got to AMU and they, and they're like, look, score doesn't matter. There are scoring rings, but just don't worry about that because as soon as you become so focused on the outcome of it, you get frustrated because it might not have worked out the way that you wanted to. And because it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, you're now frustrated and you done forgot what happened. So you can't, I guess, diagnose what you could do better for next time. So that's why I, I kind of wrote here in my notes, uh, think like AMU thinks. And I, th I feel like that's how they're champions is because they're so focused on the performance, how to execute a perfect shot, regardless of where it was on the target. So that has been the summer season for us. I mean, I could go through like a training play, but that is what we are focused on. No, I appreciate that. That, that tells a lot. Yeah. So like, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I thought coming over here is I was going to get handed a blue or red pill. And then I was just going to have all the answers. And that's just, that's not the case at all. It's just mastery of the fundamentals and just perfecting your mindset. Yeah, that's similar to um, what they taught us when I was a student at SIG Academy. They were like, we don't want you to chase the part times. We want you to be so good at the fundamentals. And if you end up hitting the part time, that's great. 
but actually executing each step in sequence correctly is more important. Like the actual underlying skill itself is more important than whatever time you put up. Because when you start chasing a score or time, sometimes you start sacrificing other things. In That's order right. To get there. Um, you, you already covered uh, the next question, describing your path to get into the Marine Corps shooting team. Um, but I want to tease out to the things that you talked about. So okay. you did a lot of your competitions in the Marine Corps in Hawaii. How do you practice in Hawaii? Huh. Uh, to be honest with you, I practiced by just going to the make makes. Um, the ranges are just not as accessible as they are in other areas. Um, I mean, you've, you've probably heard the horror stories of you have to deploy to train in Hawaii. And that's, that is very, very true. Um, yes, there are ranges out there, but there's so many people trying to get onto them. Um, I guess like, the best way for me to practice was dry fire. Um, I would, I would check out my weapons and I would, I would just dry fire and just listen to what the instructors were going through or uh, what I've learned in the past. And then also what I was learning in the moment. And I would also like do research on my own uh, because I, like I told you, I got bit by that bug. I just, I had to keep doing this uh, because of that fire, that passion about it. So I'd get out my weapons, I'd dry fire, i see the target behind you. I would have targets exactly like that, and I would just practice as much as I could on that. Um, ben Stoker is another one. I, I read a few of a couple of his books, I watched a few of his videos, and he was like a, a big help to me when it was learning how to shoot pistol pretty good. So the reason I asked that is because there's a lot of Marines in that situation, whether it be financial or just like pure range constraints, right? There's Marines in Oki, there's Marines in Hawaii. Ammo's really freaking expensive right now. Right. And so could you describe like you had like a year between Mick Mix um, on maybe like the weeks leading up to the Mick Mick? How often were you dry firing and getting ready for that thing? Uh, I couldn't really put a time on it because, you know, with, op tempo and stuff it's it wouldn't be the same as others but as much as you can i'll say that um develop a actual training plan uh would be before you even grab your weapons i think that would be like the most important thing because if you go out there without a plan you, you're going to spend you're going to waste so much time trying to develop it on the fly and then you're really not going to get much out of it so yeah ammo is expensive and i get that uh, but Honestly, you're going to get more results out of dry firing. Uh, not to say that live fire isn't producing results. I'm just saying that you can get a lot more out of dry fire uh, and it's free. So develop the training plan, follow that training plan. If you notice deficiencies inside of that training plan, then just develop another one for the next day and then just continue that until you start meeting your goals set small goals for yourself inside of that day so yeah so for example i mean you were mostly preparing for bullseye rifle right so your training session would you would just focus on maybe what like one one um one position at a time right whether the standing the kneeling what, what have you um and also you called out ben stager he's a great um he's a great resource the yeah. books cost money his podcast is free. And what I've noticed is uh, I'm listening through all of his episodes right now. Mm -hmm. And 
there's a good stretch from 2020 to 2021 where they talk about, hey, what do I do if it's too expensive to go out and train with live ammo? Because for a long time, nine mil was like 60, 70 cents around. <laughs> five, yeah. five, six was like a dollar around. Yeah. And th that's just cost prohibitive for a lot of Marines. Um, a lot of us just don't have the kind of money to spend on ammo like that. So um, there's a lot of ways to still get, like there are guys going out there and dry firing on the actual range and being very, very specific with which drills they're actually like using the rounds for. Um, and they're actually mixing dry fire into their drills, like firing two live rounds, prep the trigger, prep the trigger, fire another two rounds. JJ Rikaza calls it deficiency training. Um, so I, I just want to call that out, man, because every mic mic cycle, there's going to be new Marines that get bitten by the bug, just like you did. Mm -hmm. But you, you saw substantial progress in between uh, each year to the point where you actually got picked up by, by the shooting team. Um, speaking of that, getting picked up by the shooting team, what qualities would you say that you possess that led them to actually bring you on the team full time? Uh, well, I definitely, you know, earned a few medals, which is something that they're looking for. Uh, it, it actually shows that you have potential to, to go out there and perform. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is your personality and the way that you're able to be coached. Uh, if, if you go into something thinking that you already know it, then you just lost before you even started. So that's the biggest thing, whether you're experienced or not, just go in and just be willing to listen. Because even if it's somebody that you might not agree with, you can still learn something from them, whether it's something you agree with or not. Um, there was a lot of times that we would be picking shooters. And now this is when I was on the Marine Corps shooting team. Uh, now I got to see the other side of it, of being a part of that team that's actually recruiting. And I found myself wanting to recruit people that actually wasn't that high on the, on the leaderboard just because they had an amazing attitude. Um, yeah, they had a bad stage or they took a bad shot or just something didn't go the way that they wanted to. And it was their attitude which helped me uh, recruit them. Yeah, question for the both of you, actually. So when you're looking at prospective shooters, part of it is raw shooting ability, right? But part of it, like you said, is attitude and coachability. So would you say that those three factors kind of combined, um, you're looking at like a shooter's potential ceiling, those three things? Like, so you have someone with raw talent who isn't coachable, right? They have a high floor, but they might have a low ceiling overall. Um, you're looking for those people that can kind of like progress beyond, like get, get to that next level. Um, yeah, would you say that's accurate? Yes, I yeah, absolutely. Would. absolutely. And, and, you know, to kind of go on that point a bit, like one thing I found is if you have somebody who's just an amazing shooter, um, part of the job of the Marine Corps shooting team is being an instructor as well. So if you have some guy that, is already the full package. Sometimes it's really hard to gauge how well of an instructor that they're going to be because they just don't have the same lessons learned as somebody who started out struggling a bit, um, you know, from the beginning, not saying we want, we want to take somebody who's just nothing but a struggle bus, but you want to have somebody who's well-rounded and who's coachable and who can pick up the different lessons learned along the way. That way they can implement and they can, they can change their perspective in coaching to affect the individual shooter and not 
every shooter because at the end of the day, it's something that's just very personal that whenever you are there instructing that one person, they may not understand it in one way, but you can switch to another way of teaching them or telling them how to do something and then it clicks. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up the instruction piece of it because I've seen it a lot of times where there would be guys that would shoot a stage that they didn't really <laughs> wanted to shoot. Uh, I think actually, yeah, there was one guy I saw, he got DQ'd. Uh, but as soon as that was over, he put his gear away and then he immediately started helping others in, in ways that he could. So I, those are the guys that yep. I would look for. So, um, yeah. That's so my, well, that's my favorite qualities in people, honestly. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's the people that make the organization. It's not what they can do overall. It's it's them as a person. What yeah. what do they offer us and how can they best represent us? You want a team of all stars, not a well, no, you want an all star team, not a team of all stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said that backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you went from the Marine Corps, spent 10 years in the Marine Corps, and then now you're over in the over on the army with uh, arguably the best, you know, shooting organization in the world. Uh, we'll call it what it is. Um, emotionally, what was it like leaving the Marine Corps to go to the Army? And what was that? What, tell us a story of what joining the Army was like. So uh, let me let me try to. OK, so I love the Marine Corps, honestly. I did. You know, I, I heard it a lot of times that, you know, people were just joking with me, but uh, they're like, oh, you're a traitor. You're going over to the Army. But. Um, yeah, I absolutely love the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps has provided me opportunities in ways that the civilian world would never offer me. Um, that I'm saying the same thing about the army, uh, because they offered me my dream job. So there was no like, oh my God, I'm, I'm leaving the Marine Corps. I'm scared to death or anything. Like I, I just had a good feeling about it, uh, because I knew I was on the right path. Um, yeah, it was kind of hard to say goodbye to something that I've been a part of for 10 years. Um, but I was more excited to start this new journey. Um, uh, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more excited. Um, going into the army though, I am learning some resiliency, um, and it, it's growing pains. Honestly, there's, there's things that happened that shouldn't, that shouldn't have happened. Um, but I was able to get back up from that and fight through it and figure it out. And, and now I am where I'm at. Um, and what I mean by that is there were so many people that told me I couldn't do it. And I took that as a bigger challenge of like, nah, <laughs> I'll show you. Uh, and I think the reason why they were so negative towards me being able to do this is because they haven't seen it. Uh, and, and I'm not boasting so hard as like I'm the only one because there's a bunch of Marines that went from the Marine Corps to AMU. It's just. I've I'd, seen it a few times. I Walter, started, Walt Johnson. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I know of a, I know of a few guys as well, but you know, 2019 is when I first picked up a high power rifle and I was putting up not impressive scores. Uh, and I, and when I first saw AMU, I was like, I have to be on that team. 
that is the team I want to be a part of because I've seen how well they mesh together in order to accomplish goals that are outside of most people's reach. Uh, I mean, th these, these guys and girls were just setting records. Uh, unbelievable, you know, and then at the end of the day, they would just celebrate each other. They wouldn't celebrate the victory as a team. They would ask who set a PR or whatever they would, they were excited about clapping for somebody else instead of themselves. Um, and that is something that I strive to be a part of. So that is what, that is what fueled that passion to be a part of this for as long as I can. And I still have that same flame. Uh, so everything that I went through from the Marine Corps shooting team, from people telling me that I couldn't do it, uh, from me falling on my face and, and, you know, cross firing on another target and losing a match or whatever, like all of that stuff just helped build the person that I am right now. And I've, I've I think I've come out on top. <laughs> so that that's kind of like my story of getting to the team is just passion and not allowing somebody to put me down. Uh, I'll be the first one to tell you, like, since day one of meeting you, like you are nothing but passion. Like you're, you're a good dude. Who's just very passionate about the things that you want to achieve and, and you're kind of a wrecking ball to where you're not going to let anybody stop you from achieving those goals, which are good qualities to have. Um, and that's what got you to where you are. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get there. And you weren't afraid to ask for help in the process, which is also a very important quality because when you think that you can do something on your own, um, you may miss miss something, but you you yeah. reached out and you asked for help. And for those who were serious and knew you were serious, you know, I would say, you know, they they really helped. Yeah. Uh, and it, I leaned on my team a whole lot. So I cannot take full credit of me getting to AMU solely by myself. Um, the The team that I had. I would say last year um, where Chris Williams and Dan Rhodes and the Colliards and, and those guys, that was the team that really helped me shine. Um, not for my scores, but it was, group, it was a group of guys that I could surround myself with and they would just lift you up. You know, it was a group of guys that just meshed very, very well together. And that is what helped me strive the most is because I could focus on what I wanted. I didn't have anybody telling me that I couldn't do it. They were actually supporting me in the fact that they're like, dude, you, you need to go do this. Uh, because there was at one time I was like, man, I just don't know if I have what it takes. Uh, I got kind of down on myself and, and then uh, it was actually uh, Rhodes. He was just like, dude, you need to quit being a big pussy right now. Like, and you, <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. I'm done being this way. I will focus as hard as I can. And then here I am. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know what some of your other hobbies might be, but do you find any of the like ancillary skill sets that kind of surround competitive shooting, hunting, reloading, knowledge of ballistics, gunsmithing, to be helpful towards performing as a competitive shooter? 
I thought a lot about that. Um, out of the the list of questions that I could have been asked, I, I thought a lot about that one specifically. And I, I actually wrote down three things. Uh, and one is you, you hear it all the time, but it's positive mindset. But I kind of want to take a different direction on that. And I want to say it's controlled mindset. You can have a positive mindset. But if you're not able to control that positivity, then I don't think you're really going to get that far. Like, it, man, there's so many people in this world that are able to Buddhist. I mean, they're able to master the mindset. And I wish I could tap into something like that. And controlled mindset is something that I've been really focused on. Uh, and it's being able to not only think about um your performance and outcome base, but it's it's being able to actually organize that and then put it into action when the time matters. So when I'm standing up on the 200, and mind you, I'm still trying to figure this out, but it's something that I'm very passionate about trying to figure out because I think once I have it nailed, uh, I'm you're not going to stop me. Um, when I'm up on the firing line, there's so many like voices going through my head. Well, what, is your blood sugar high enough? Did you dry fire enough? Is your sling at the right number? Like being able to just block all of that stuff out and just trust that you know what to do, trust that you did everything right and actually put it into action. That's, that's like the biggest thing that I can say people should focus on is not only positivity, but being able to control it in an organized manner. Uh, the second one is understanding your gear and equipment. And that goes into what you're talking about, about ballistics and gunsmithing, is that whenever you, whenever, whenever you are able to understand your gear and equipment, you're able to eliminate the unknowns. So you will actually be able to know for a fact whether it was you, the gear, ammo, whatever. Um, so putting... Putting the work into actually understanding that stuff is very important. And that's why I put it second, because your mindset is going to be more important than most. Uh, and then the third one is in training, you should sometimes put yourself in those uncomfortable positions so you know how to deal with adversity when the time comes, because you're not always going to have a perfect day where everything just lines up. I mean, anybody that's shot matches before – understands what I'm saying right there. Um, I'm not saying that you should do it so much that you're building habits, but I think that you should do it sometimes just so you understand what to do in a situation like that. Um, and I'll speak from a bull's, uh, bullseye perspective. And we've done it in training a couple of times. When you're shooting offhand at 200 yards, you're not always going to have the flattest burn to stand on. So sometimes put yourself in a position to where your feet aren't even. Uh, maybe a buckle is not exactly where you need it to be. Uh, and, and they're just learning how to work through that under time. So uh, that's those are the three things that I that I pointed out. I think they're very important to understand. All right. So you've shot action through make mix stuff like that. I remember. Uh, I want to say summer of 2020, uh, I organized a trip up to Peacemaker National Training Center to where like our team, the rifle and pistol team, we just went up there and trained for a full week. 
Yeah. Uh, it was a good, good time. It was really nice just to get away from the flagpole and just the entire week, all of us just get to hang out, train, have like, you know, have a training plan that allowed everybody to grow at the same time. And then we get to shoot a match at the end of the end of the week and just have a good time as a team. Um, So with you understanding and shooting both high power and action shooting, what skill sets in high power would you say trends transitions well into the action shooting sports and then vice versa? Uh, Mastery of the fundamentals. That is that is something that high power focuses on the most because I mean, you got to put up the tightest group. You got to shoot the most tens. How do you do that is mastering the fundamentals and mastering your mindset. Um, Those are the two things that go, whether you agree with high power or not, those are the two things that go with everything that shot, whether it's USPSA action shooting PRS, it doesn't matter. If you don't have the right mindset, it's just not going to go well. If you don't understand fundamentals, then you have a weak foundation. You know, you have to have a very strong foundation. Um, so your your relationship to shooting has probably changed from, like you said, blanking in the backyard, trying to hit beer cans with your dad, to joining right. the Marine Corps shooting team to now doing it full-time as part of the EMU. So in steps, like how's your, how's the way you viewed shooting change um, at each particular stage in your career? Mm. Yeah. So in, in the very beginning, it was more personal for me. It it was like, I had something to prove um, because I, I started with, I didn't have that background of competitive shooting, you know, from the age of five or whatever. Uh, I, I started in 2019, really. That is when I seriously started competing. So it was very personal for me. I felt like I had something to prove. Um, and because I went into it like that, I, I don't think I did as well as I could have. Um, if I would have thought about it then like I do now, I think I would have been more successful a little earlier than I was. And uh, now i I found it more of a passion instead of a personal goal of mine uh, because it, I, I found it more of a passion because I'm now a part of something much bigger than myself and I get to be a part of it. Um, so like my advice to anybody that is starting to shoot competitively is try to do it for a, a reason to help others. And I know that might sound sound kind of weird. It's just once you once I started to build a credibility uh, inside of competitive shooting, people start to look to me for guidance on certain things. And then because of that, they come up to you and then you're you end up talking about life and how they you can help them with anything other than shooting. You know what I mean? It's an opportunity to be a leader. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so for myself, um, yeah, you said you're first generation military. Um, so I first time I shot was Boy Scout camp shooting a 22. Um, I'm part of a first generation Chinese immigrant family. So and grew up in California. So like guns were just not a part of that at all. 
And like you, man, like when I first started competition shooting, I just started doing USPSA on my own. And for the first like year or so, it was just about having fun and just being out there. Um, but now I'm at the point where I got these targets out all over this room, like I'm dry firing every single day. Um, I think you and I have similar trajectories and I find myself thinking the same thing, looking back on it. I wish I'd, but I also learned how to be a lot more procedural and detail oriented as I got later into like the shooting career. Um, I think shooting like brought that side out of me. That's not necessarily something I had as a young, as a young dude in my twenties. So yeah, I'm really thankful for everything the sport's given me. It sounds like it's done a lot for you as well. It, it definitely has. And um, now being a part of uh, the army marksmanship unit, I'm surrounded by, I'm surrounded by people that are so focused on not only helping themselves, but others. And I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of a team like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so out of the, out of the high power rifle course of fire, is there a part that you find most enjoyable? Like, Hey, this position, this yard line is my jam. And then conversely, is there a part that you find most nerve wracking? Uh, I honestly enjoy all of it because it takes a special person to put a sweatshirt and a shooting jacket and go shoot in a hundred degrees and try to shoot the tightest groups ever. Uh, so that part about it, I enjoy because it's very addicting when you see that target come up and it's an X, Oh man, you just got to shoot another one. Um, the part about it though, that is nerve wracking for me is offhand at 200 yards. Um, that's something that I'm kind of battling with right now. Um, I, yeah, I hit this plateau to where I'm, I'm, I'm shooting a pretty consistent score. It's not a bad one. It's, it's pretty competitive. It's just not where I want to be. Um, and the reason why it's nerve wracking for me is because it, it truly sets the tone for the rest of the match. Uh, whether you're going to be fighting or you're just going to have a, a pretty good match. Um, when, when I shot, I shot USPSA for a little bit and, you know, I can say the same thing. Your first stage really sets the tone for how the rest of the day is going to go. Um, and my first stage always was the most nerve wracking. I was jittery. I would always sling a Charlie and a Delta on that first target, but then I'm like, Hey dude, you, you know, what's happening. So then you, you just clean it up the rest of the way. So. So you're a very emotional guy. You, you put your emotions on your shoulder sometimes like, oh, yeah. And uh, I probably did it in this podcast. <laughs> what what feelings and emotions did you have when you went up on stage at inner service rifle and you were able to hold that team trophy up with the rest of the team? Um, an abundance of joy, honestly, because I finally not only achieved a goal like that, but there was a lot of, man, there was a lot of things that went into that all at once. It was years of me fighting tooth and nail to get where I'm at. And then there I was. So I, I almost can't even put it into words how excited I was. One, it goes back into being a part of something much bigger than yourself. Uh, because you are now on a platform in which people look at you like, you have all the answers. Um, so I guess you could say that I was joyful. I was relieved um, to, to finally show those people that told me I couldn't do it 
Um, it, 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 it felt like for an instant I was in a, in heaven. Yeah. That's, that's probably the best way that I could explain that because I was with a team that I I've only dreamed of being with. Um, and I achieved goals that most people worked sometimes their whole lives to achieve. And I ask that because like sometimes people will look at people who just go up on stage and they can't really read the emotion on that person's body. And it's just like they go up there and they stand in like they do the photo op, but they really can't tell what's going on internally. And it's like for 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 me being a person that knows you so well and spent so many years with you. And, you know, it was it was really cool to just see you finally achieve that. And I just wanted people to hear you describe what that type of, mo- of emotion is that you achieved that. Yeah. So congratulations. Like, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. We're uh, like I said, words just cannot explain how happy I am uh, where I'm at right now. Um, and I couldn't have done it without the people supporting me, honestly. Couldn't do it. Well, and, you know, I think Captain Scott has said it a few times about guys on the AMU. Like, you want to hate them because they just win all the time, but you can't hate them because they're just such nice people. Like, and and that's what I kind of noticed, you know, everybody there kind of has the same mindset and every single person there is just a great person. Um, you wouldn't want to recruit somebody onto a team that just had a bad attitude because then, you know, for the next 20 years or however long you're going to have to deal with that same attitude. And I think, you know, the way you guys recruit, you guys, you guys vet for that. And it's, it's just pretty amazing to see everybody just be such great people all in one place. Yeah. If I could throw out one name though, it would be Brandon green. Uh, like as soon as oh, I, I love that guy, he's great. Yeah. As soon as I joined the Marine Corps shooting team in 2019, I heard his name so many times, but because I was brand new, I was like, who is this guy? And then I saw him for the first time at inner service. And I was like, oh, I totally understand what they're saying. Like you want to hate him because you just can't beat him. But here he is a guy that's, I mean, he was, literally giving me advice as to be a better shooter. Like after I was done shooting, he'd take me to the side and just explain things to me. Uh, and then he, now that I'm on AMU, I, I hate that he's retiring so soon. I wish I could keep him around a little bit longer, but, um, he's been somebody that I've leaned on pretty heavily. Um, there's, I mean, there's others for sure, but I, I just listen and learn from everything that he says because He's done, he's done this for 18 years, I think. Yeah. So well, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that when he comes into a room and he says something, everybody stops and listens to what he has to say. Yeah. it's cause he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, I, I don't, and he's one of the guys that I surround myself with. And, and if I could have 10 more like him, I would and only because they helped me get to where they're at you know so uh, there I mean there's names on this team that I could throw out there I mean Ben Cleland's another one and Alex Deal um he, he was a summer shooter last year and he's now a permanent guy and he's he's been my 
he's been like my right hand man, just helping me with. We we work very well together, and we always train together. We're we're always willing to be the first ones to work and the last ones to leave. Not to say that the other ones won't be. It's just uh, him him and I have leaned on each other very well. So. Yeah, sounds like a great place to be. Um, just from an outsider's perspective, the AMU, um, it's 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 a it's a team of champions, right? It's a team full of individuals who are performing at the highest level, who have a lot of support, um, the the ability to train, work with each other, and like push each other to that next level. Um, it's about as close to a successful professional sports team as the DoD will ever have. That's just the way I see it. What's yeah. it like? You've already talked about it a little bit, but like, really, what what's it like being a part of that organization, knowing that you're going to be there for the rest of your career? It's uh, it's surreal, honestly. Uh, in the very beginning, I people told me I wouldn't make it. <laughs> so now that I made it, and 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 just going from looking at it from the Marine Corps shooting team side, you know the the Marine Corps shooting team puts up the army marshalship unit. They hold them above their head on this, such a high pedestal. And you look at these people like they are just gods in the, in the shooting community. And not to say that I am exactly like that, but now I am walking amongst these people and they're just normal people that do that. Incredible fates. Yeah. I mean, I can't even put this into words. I just, I'm so it's, it's almost like it's not real. Like I'm dreaming, you know, uh, and I'm super excited to be a part of it. I can't wait to see what the next few years holds. Um, I have made a promise not to myself, but to my teammates that I will give them the absolute best to make sure that I'm a part of that team. That's helping them achieve team goals. So, you know, we, we've talked about, the mindset, the emotional side, you know, people, how you are as a person. Um, it also comes at skill as well. So what would you say your schedule is like? And then what major events do you have on your uh, on your schedule? Okay, so what our schedule is like, uh, and, and our schedule obviously changes depending on what we're doing. So for the summer uh, season, we change up our PT plans to where we do it in the afternoon instead of before uh, we start to shoot, uh, only because we're trying to mimic exactly what we're going to do uh, for a match. Uh, so for the schedule during the summer season is, you know, we get in, we open the range, and then we have something that the, that the team is focused on. Uh, so each day is written out already, uh, whether it be, you know, trigger control sign alignment for the day or whether it's wind calling. Um, that is all set up by our head coach and we just kind of follow his plan because, you know, I mean, he, he knows the direction that we need to go. Um, in the off season, uh, our schedule is, yeah, it, we call it the off season, but we we have people that are, you know, uh, in, involved in some way, shape, or form with the unit. So we have guys that will go out with ITG, the instructor training group. Uh, we'll have guys that will go out to do that, and then we'll have people go to schools, and those schools are oriented into how how will that 
help you bring things back to the team uh, for next year. Um, the major events uh, that we have, like, are, are you asking about like matches that we go yep. shoot or, okay. So, yep. I mean, we shoot at a lot more places than we did with the Marine Corps shooting team. And that's something that really helps us out with match pressure um, is because we're exposed a little bit more than the Marine Corps shooting team. And we shoot at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. We shoot at uh, Southern States classic in Dawsonville, Georgia. Um, we have, you know, guys in Atterbury right now. Um, we shoot in Ohio and yeah, North Carolina. So that is the CMP Eastern games out in, um, that's Camp Butner. That's where we go compete out there. Uh, and then we have Oak Ridge. Um, yeah, I already said all those. So um, there, I mean, honestly, there's, there's, we're strung out <laughs> to so many different places. All right, man. Last question for you. So it's something we've asked all the bullseye shooters have come on this podcast, Pat Moody and Austin Hill uh, both answered this question. Um, so the ITT consists of four shooters with you as one of them. Um, pick out three other shooters that you would take into that competition. And for the sake of this podcast, we're going to go Marine Corps only. Marine Corps only. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, that eliminates some names because I kind of like thought about that one a little bit. Uh, Moody's number one. He's the number one dude that I'm taking with me because of his personality. And I love this guy and his personality. I mean, I listened to that podcast and he is such a witty funny guy like we had him uh, last year him and Williams they were shooting partners together and I, I couldn't wait for them to get done shooting and us to get so we could just go hang out with them and see how their day went because like every day <laughs> Moody had something funny and it was different every time uh, like the dude just shined a light in a dark room that's just the type of guy that he is um the next guy would be Collier I would definitely have him uh, only because he is so easygoing, uh, but at the same time, he's very competent uh, to have as a coach. Uh, I would love to have him uh, as a coach on the team. Uh, obviously, Rhodes, I would definitely have him, uh, and Williams. Williams is definitely in there. Um, for anybody that doesn't know who Chris Williams is, he is just – a tall, bald guy like I am. And if we stand next to each other, you can't really tell us apart. Uh, but when both of us were together, people hated it because everybody was the target of opportunity. <laughs> you guys just fed off of each other and you guys just ganged up on people. Well, not yet. They, they had it coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. Was it, was that all four or I think I'm, I might. I think eight. you, I think you gave five. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wish I could keep going because I got a dream team that I would put together, you know, I got a fun team and then I got a record team over here. So. Well, what's your record team? Yeah. Oh, the record <laughs> team for sure. Uh, ben Cleland was uh, my number one guy that I would pick uh, to put on there. I don't, I don't know if you follow him much, but it seems like every time this guy does anything, where there's a record to be beat, he's the guy to beat it. Like, I, I, 
I have didn't, didn't he set a, a long range record at the thousand yard line? Or no, it wasn't the thousand yard line. It was Butner last year. He set some new national record and he shot like a perfect score. Oh, uh, he set another record this year at Butner. Mm. So yeah. yeah, so you get what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, Brandon Green is another guy. He's he would be my second choice. Um, I would also have Williams too. I mean, not only is he a witty, funny guy, but the dude could shoot as well. Um, I don't know if you've uh, heard of Forrest Greenwood. Yeah. Um, I would have him as my coach all day long because this guy is just on point more times than not. And I trust everything that he tells me. Um, we, we just got a new guy on the, on the team not too long ago, Zevin Lindsay. And he is, is a goofy young kid. Um, but the man can shoot for sure. Um, I would have him. I would also have Alex deal, uh, with me just because he, he's my shooting partner, you know? So that, that right there would be my record team. Awesome. Well, is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with before we uh, end the show? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it a lot. Um, but if I could just recap real quick, the, anybody that's wanting to get into anything, do not go into it partial. If it's something that you want, then, then go after it. Um, whether it's physical fitness, whether it's being the best husband, the best dad, friend, whatever it is, just put everything you got into it and care about others more than yourself. Um, try to do your best for the people around you because that is going to influence a very, very strong team around you to help you as well. No, I appreciate that. That's uh, that's some wise words right there, but Shane, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. It's always great seeing you, even if we are, you know, hundreds of miles away. Yeah, uh, looking forward to the next time we talk on the phone. But thank you again. Um, and to the listeners, if you have any questions, if there's anything you have that you would like to ask Shane, let us know. Uh, we'll be sure to pass it on. And I hope you enjoyed this. All right, Bye. buddy. Well, thank, thank you so much, man.